Joe is a 29-year-old PT based in Surrey. He has suffered with anxiety and depression for a large portion of his life, especially through the ages of 18 to 19. Joe is involved with a few mental health charities, but one in particular in the Grace Deer Trust, which is very close to his heart. On the podcast, we're going to be discussing my personal experiences and Joe's experiences on how to deal with anxiety and depression. I, like many men, can relate to these issues, and this is the main reason I invited Joe on the podcast to talk today. First of all, I just wanted to discuss like the main reason I brought you on, and we touched on it before, but in terms of having re- male role models, mm. it's just, that was huge, because I didn't feel like I had anyone I could look up to, personally, when I was going through stuff, and it, that was kind of one of the main reasons why I'm doing what I am doing, and this is the path I've chosen, and I know we touched on it briefly before, yeah. but I know yours is quite similar to why I'm doing that as well. Yeah, I think... Um Certainly, growing up with three sisters actually didn't help that because mm. um, I I got on with them better than my dad, and he wasn't particularly involved with that, and it wasn't really spoken about. Mm. Um, so certainly, growing up with a more f- female-dominated family certainly meant that the girls kept themselves themselves, and they could understand each other better. And I sort of had an understanding of not being able to talk about it, or or, or I think it all came too late for me. I think when I turned sort of eighteen, nineteen, that's when it started to come to a head. Where before that, I didn't have any idea about mental health. Mm. Or, the stigma around that or anxiety depression that kind of thing um and it all sort of hit me at once so there's certainly the male role models but i think i had no one to turn to or i felt like i couldn't anyway and mm. a bit like yourself i think you just grow up with understanding of either not being able to speak about it or not knowing the right things to say and certainly the whole the, the man up thing was just a huge thing especially for sure. back then for sure um so yeah it was the sort of man up get on with it type thing was yeah, yeah girls don't have that i completely agree with that i think for me as well was i felt so awkward <laughs> trying to talk about <laughs> it in terms of yeah. I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't understand why I was feeling so depressed mm. at like 16. So mine spiked around 16, 16, 17, you know, I just like finished in a relationship and I felt like everything was just going wrong in my mm. life. But when I look back at it, I just think I held so many emotions in, especially from I say about 12 onwards you know, I had a few things happen to me. So for example, like my mum, had breast cancer and that really hit me for six. Mm. Um, but I kind of didn't realize that at the time when I was going through these things and it was only until more and more added up, I just sort of burst at about mm. 16, 17. Mm. I didn't really know what was going on, didn't want to talk to anyone, didn't want to sort it. And as soon as I did start talking about it and I opened up to my family, I was like, listen, I'm really struggling. I had some time out of school, I moved school for sixth form probably wasn't the best idea looking back at it for my mental health but in terms of that talking to my family and having like a close knit group of friends for me was enormous and I just worked through it every day chipped through it and like here I am now and in a way I'm sort of glad I went through that experience to the point where I can help people today but in terms of role models like you touched on before like I didn't really have anyone I just I looked up I look up to my dad massively and mm. I look up to my brother as well and those were two role models for me and just the way they conduct themselves and mm. stuff like that and for me that's kind of the way I wanted to model myself around getting through my mental health was being able to talk to my dad my brother my mum and stuff and learn from them and go from there yeah I, that's it's, it's similar but also quite different to me is I, every male model I've had in my life has always sort of let me down in one way or another mm. so like my 
dad and I don't have a, a great deal in common other than sport, and that's obviously we'll touch on that later as the sports side of things is massive. Yeah. But so my, my mum remarried and he wasn't a nice man at all. And I, you know, it was a lot of my stuff is trauma based around him. Yeah. So older men have either come into my life and let me down. So therefore, I've, 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 I've often, yeah. you know, my mum is, I've often said this before to her, is my mum saved my life. Like, definitely, if it wasn't for her, I probably wouldn't be here. Mm. Um, so my mum and my three sisters have been a massive sort of, um, massive thing for me and a coup to sort of keep me going um so it's nice for you that the men in your life have helped you through that and sort of yeah. steered you down the right path whereas i sort of learned the hard way <laughs> i've sort of looked at yeah. their behavior who i've had in my life and have gone that's how i don't want to be mm. and that's that it took me a long long time to realize that but i think watching their behavior turned me into a, bit of a monster at times and um certainly when you're 16 to 18 you could put it down to sort of male hormones and growing up in a female dominated environment and being a bit of a testosterone filled idiot but actually i think a lot of that was down to sort of not being able to compartmentalize how i felt and it mm. often sort of turned into rage and which is again coming back to what we'll talk about later is sport has really helped me as well being yeah. able to sort of channel that into playing rugby or whatever it is so that's definitely helped me for sure mm. for yeah. those who don't know obviously i met you through rugby mm-hmm. and we can touch on that now actually is is rugby is for me is is not just a sport it's it's taught me routine it's taught me discipline it's taught me how to control anger it's it's everything to me in terms of how i've grown as a person Mm. and i think that's so underrated with sport in particular is you're not just throwing a ball around with your mates and it's such an out for me in terms of sort of escaping my own mm. problems for 100%. a couple hours, 100%. being with my friends, having a reset. Yeah. And I think over recent years as well, you know, I've been playing down at Brunel uh, in the Trailfinder Senior Academy and I, it's been good, it's been good. And it's it's an out being with the boys every day and it sort of distracts you from your 100%. mental health problems. 100%. And I think this is massive in, and it goes back to the point of like physical health is coincides with your mental health in 100%. my opinion. And just doing those things and getting out has been massive for my mental health. But we obviously met um, through a friend of mine, Chris Stegman. I went down to Reeds Weybridge, rugby club where you play. Mm-hmm. Just talk about Reeds and how that's helped you in terms of your mental health. And I think a lot of the things you just touched on in terms of physically, it's, it's obviously amazing for you. And the mental side that comes with that is just mm-hmm. the biggest boost you can gain. But for me, it was more social because mm-hmm. I really suffered. I really struggled um, on the social side of things growing up I didn't go to a lot of parties and I I don't drink so growing up not drinking was a huge thing um, and I think there's that's a, there's a massive stigma around rugby and drink especially but there is. growing that's up growing, growing up at going to sort of 16 to 18 birthday parties and not really drinking and having sort of PTSD as a result of getting drunk when I was sort of 16 to 18 the knock on effect the booze had on me was massive so not drinking and playing rugby was huge but I think socially it was massive for me I think being around a group of guys who for the most part, were pretty accepting of the fact that I didn't do that, and I just mm. got, I got on with it. Um, and I think it made it between the age of sixteen to twenty-one. Once you when you just once you start saying no to going to parties and going to gatherings with your mates, they just stop inviting you, and they don't really understand that the reason why you don't want to go is because you really suffer in social environments, and that actually crowds can be really overwhelming. I'm sort of very sort of for the word sensory sensitive. So like, mm. if it's too loud or too many crowds there, I just I, I really battle, and I'd still do it to a certain extent now. Um, so to come back to it, rugby's really helped me just create a safe space for me to go, not only physically exercise, but also be around other sort of like-minded people in that sense, who sort of really take me in. And that's where reads have been amazing is, is um, 
they really sort of not taken me under their wing, but they've really accepted me that I am sort of neurodiverse and I do have sort of my quirks and I don't really drink that much at all. Um, so that for me has been the biggest thing for me. Mm. Like, I, I can't thank them enough for being really understanding about that, and it's, that's that's been amazing. It's taken a while, but it's it's been awesome. Yeah, they're good good blokes. Yeah, good bunch. Good blokes. Yeah. yeah, I went. I was obviously down there like three or four times and. Very welcoming guys mm. and very switched on guys yeah, as well, yeah, which definitely. is good. So, no, it's a good crowd being down there. Yeah. In terms of not drinking, see, this is uh, this is something I try, <laughs> and I reckon I yeah, I reckon I go through. You know, I've, I've I'm trying to think how long it was. I think I did about two months, which doesn't doesn't sound a long time now. Yeah, saying that, yeah, <laughs> of not drinking, yeah. and it was more just, I don't know. I felt, for me, not drinking is as was amazing. Mm. But at the same time, I go out to rugby events and stuff, and everyone else is battered. Not to. But you're on like a different wavelength yeah, yeah, to everyone else if yeah, you don't. Yeah. And I was a bit like, what do I do? Do I have a couple? <laughs> then a couple turns yeah, to like seven or eight, yeah. and then seven or eight turns to stumbling into an Uber at yeah. three in the morning, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I'm back in the same cycle again. And I think now I've finished uni, so I graduated two two weeks ago now. Mm. Um, I think now I'm going to give it a proper go of if I am drinking, not drinking every Wednesday like we were doing and Saturday. Mm. But for me, I think for someone who I, I, I like to I like to have a drink. I wouldn't say it's like my go to, but in a social situation it is nice just to have a couple, whether it's with your family at dinner. So I think what I'm gonna try and this is something I was thinking about and talking about with my dad mm. was just having maybe like once every two weeks like a little social drink, but not doing what I always do because when I go I'm always like nah it's alright like, I'll be fine I'll mm. do a couple of drinks and like I said earlier it's just it gets out of control very yeah, very yeah, quickly yeah. and yeah. you know I, I think that comes down to feeling a bit socially awkward in those situations enough, yeah. and sort of now I'm better understanding myself and I'm helping others better understand themselves mm. just sort of being back in control of those situations and realizing like you don't need to impress people mm. like you need to be selfish sometimes yeah, yeah. that was big for me just sort of wanting to impress others and be like oh lads lad but you don't need to be like that yeah, like, yeah. You, you can just have a good time yeah. without having to drink and, and, and equally as well it's having everything in moderation so like it's like telling someone to stop eating bad food it's just not it's just not feasible yeah so i think it's is by all means have a drink have a beer at a dinner or a glass of wine with your girlfriend or whatever if you have a go there's no harm in that. Like you, mm. you and sometimes some people need to have that at the end of a long day. Like some people need that to sort of unwind. And there's nothing against that. I, I would never sort of preach to any of my clients that they shouldn't be drinking or shouldn't be having mm. chocolate and stuff because it's just not realistic, right? So I think everything in moderation. I just know that if I was to drink, the days following that are pretty miserable. So mm. I just, I either don't or I'll allow myself, you know, to sort of a, a glass of bread, bread at dinner or something with yeah, with yeah. the missus or whatever. So, um, but that that for me is is is, is huge. That's, that's massive for me as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You talked about obviously not drinking. Mm -hmm. What other success stories do you think you've had in terms of you know things that have helped your mental health and your physical health in a way? Obviously. Yeah, I, 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 I think um, sounds really cliche, but definitely going to the gym regularly has really helped me having a routine. A routine in general, I think, whether it be yeah. sleep, gym, um, work, life, everything. I think routine has been like this the massive savior for me, mm -hmm. and that, that covers all bases. 
Um, I think eating relatively well, again, I've come back to moderation. As I don't, I'm not really strict. I mean, you see what I eat on a daily basis, it's pretty, it's pretty horrendous. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'm not too strict on myself, and mm. nor will I ever be. But having a routine in place that definitely helps me. And therefore, if I go outside those lines sometimes, I'm not, I, I won't punish myself mm. because yeah, I sure. know that the day after or that afternoon, I'm going to be going to the gym or playing rugby, training with my mates and stuff. And um, actually, wa- walking has been one of the best things for me. I know that you're big on your walking. Mm. Like, walking for me has been the best thing. Like, and it, weirdly, I saw it on your platform a couple of weeks ago. It was like leaving your phone at home because yeah. I'm so I've got it so programmed to take my phone everywhere with me, and I'm like, that's my lifeline. I'm not, I'm not going to do without it. But if I can go an hour or two, whether it be a podcasting or not, I'll sometimes at least leave it at home and just walk. Mm. And that for me has been huge. Like weather depending obviously like yeah, in the yeah, UK yeah. I guarantee anything but certainly this time of year getting out for an hour going for a walk has been genuinely amazing and it really helps me yeah, um, yeah. That's, I'm the exact same so one of the posts if you don't follow me on Instagram or whatnot one of the posts I did was um, it was my girlfriend who told me to do this she mm. realised when I got really stressed out obviously with my ADHD and anxiety I, I doom scroll I doom scroll for hours yeah, yeah. but I don't realise I'm doing it Yeah, and she's like Tom like She's so understanding, I adore that girl, and she's so helpful with everything that's mm. going on for mm. me mentally. But she's like, you need to get off your phone for a bit, let's go for a walk. And then we did it the first time, I just left my phone at home. I felt so much happier, it's such like a easy thing to do, but it sounds so silly, just leave your but phone not, at home. And go for, yeah, we're it, so used to being on the whole yeah, time, exactly. like, it's not actually that easy. And then I looked at my screen time, I was averaging like seven hours a day on my phone, and I was like, that's seven nothing hours. to a lot of people as well. Yeah, and I was just like, that's nuts. Mm. So. For me, when I'm stressed out, a few of the posts I've done, a cold shower, two minutes max, that mm. is, that's huge for me as well. Mm. Um, and then walks without my phone, I just do like 40, 45 minutes. Like, I think over the last year, being comfortable in my own mind has been huge for me. And this is what I'm trying to teach people as well, is you've got to learn to be comfortable in your own mind. Because your mind's the only thing at the end of the day you can control. Mm. And being able to be in your own mind without a distraction, just walking around, like enjoying what's around you, that was massive for me. And now I've got in a good habit of doing that. And I'm sort of incorporating that into runs. So my girlfriend always runs, she doesn't run with music in, she's a big runner, so she'll run like 15K and then come back. But that's like her peace of mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've started trying to do that and I suck at running. I'm <laughs> awful at it. But in terms of just, it's so simple just being off your phone like it, it's so it can be so toxic on mm. social media yeah. you see stuff like people dying or people just you know abusive comments to other people and mm. you know I've, I've had a few things on my post nothing bad where i'm a bit like did you need you to can, comment you, that also or? you can read too much into it and yeah you can, you can really take it to heart exactly and then it's, I it's like overthinking it's, it's like in your sort of gcc's row levels you've got 11 grades and you get one bad one you're not focusing on the the 10 that are good you're focusing yeah. on one that's not as good so mm. that's that we're, we we as sort of human beings are inherently bad at that is focusing on the negative and the positive and i think and in general like social media can be a great place um as you're finding out is reaching out to people and helping people through platforms can be amazing however the other side of it is most of it's not real like mm. and i'm guilty of this as well is a lot of my social media stuff is i'm very lucky i'm lucky enough to go on holidays and be with my family a lot is a lot of that is just pe- people can see that you're away a lot and they think that you have this amazing lifestyle and that you're yeah. jet setting around the world and stuff and that's not that's not not true exactly. but what they don't see is the other 99 percent of that is that you you can be miserable sad and the ones that actually portray the best lifestyles are the ones who actually aren't as happy so that's that's yeah. what i've learned and um i'm sort of getting better at sort of leaving the social media side alone and and not reading too much into mm. the um the lifestyles of other people because you can get so drawn into that particularly young people growing up yeah social media is like um me and my brother discussed this it must be about six months months ago now is um we both deleted instagram 
and we gave that a go and we did it for about three weeks and then it's hard like when everything like everything you know mm. is on mm. a platform mm. like that everyone you know you know people send you dms people you know posting photos mm. you just feel so out of the mm. loop mm. that you you can't really delete it and it's something i'm still trying to figure out because i still i still do it every day like the doom scrolling and but now i'm aware of it has been so helpful because mm. now i'm like oh no i'm doing this again let's yeah, put yeah, the phone yeah. down let's yeah. go out let's try yeah. something new and i think just the awareness around that cause sometimes you don't realize mm. i generally scrolled for two hours one day and had no idea that like two hours was gone like that done it's scary isn't it yeah and yeah. i had no clue but yeah, that's been massive for me as well, putting the phone away, it walks. And I think a lot of that comes back to, and there'll be a, there'll be a theme of routine throughout the whole thing we'll be talking about, is I think it's setting yourself a, a goal of having under a certain amount of hours per week. And if that means having a 45 minute scroll at the end of each evening when you get into bed and you sort of, you know, getting in for the night and going to sleep and whatever, like setting yourself time to be able to be on your phone, otherwise you shouldn't be on it. It's not that you, you can't be on your phone at yeah. all, because certainly with my work, I need to be on my phone a lot. Mm. It's just, you know, communicating with clients and stuff. But I think otherwise I spend a bit like you I spend so many hours scrolling through no nothing and I've gained zero from it so I think it's being strict on myself to be able to tell myself I'm gonna learn to play an instrument I'm gonna learn to learn a language that kind of thing is being proactive with your time rather than getting home and your first thought to go through your phone and scroll through TikTok Instagram all the things that you're gaining absolutely zero from mm. but at the same time not being too strict on yourself but you're only not doing those things that makes sense so mm. I think it's just again it's a balance thing and also almost teaching yourself a new routine completely yeah. agree yeah um touch on something we talked about just before we went mm -hmm. on the pod was the grace dear trust i know this is something that is very close to your heart mm -hmm. and we talked briefly on it but yeah i'd love to hear the background on that and yeah what we could do to support yeah it. so i um i met karen who is the mum of the charity i guess you could say through the gym i used to work at and uh i was sort of handed her as it were as a new client and i sort of we got we honestly we got like a house on fire immediately she's like my second mum and um, very tragic, she lost her daughter, Grace, to suicide. And um, as a result, the Grace Deer Trust, so Karen's daughter, unfortunately. So she took her own life and she'd been battling for years and years and years with mental health and eating disorders and whatnot. And uh, I grew very, very fond of the, in the entire family, but most of all Karen and, and what she stood for. And she was just the most amazing thing, genuinely, that has happened to me for a very long time. Um, and it's it only changed my life because it definitely made me sort of think about things and the battles that I've certainly come to terms with and um, I've worked closely with them since basically their inception, so since the whole thing started, and um, it's been amazing, and and I'll do anything for my, I've actually brought them into Reed's Waybridge, so like oh, we've yeah. sort of collaborated as a, a rugby club and a mental health charity to basically oh, awesome. work together, because yeah. they recognise that to help the local community is getting in through schools, but also sports teams as well, because the two just go hand in hand, mm. right? It's amazing how many people you wouldn't know are going through a really, really rough time, that seemingly on the surface look and we came back to earlier is service yeah. have everything and have come from very privileged backgrounds like you and i are very lucky to have had mm. um so they in elmbridge are doing everything in their power to and they're quite small they're a very very small charity unlike the, the big sort of mind and um which you know they're doing amazing work as well but it, it in terms of the local community that i work within they are just doing the most amazing like groundbreaking stuff possible they're just insane yeah yeah i love that yeah um as a pt would you say there's sort of anything you do in particular to help your clients in terms of mental health or is uh, that something you look into? Because obviously you've talked about. Yeah, current. yeah. So I think um, behind most people that are doing physical exercise, there's often a reason as to why they're doing it. Mm. So people that I work with um, on a day-to-day -day basis, most of my clients is 
uh, you've actually become more of a therapist than you are a trainer to them. You yeah. end you end up sh- you know sharing a lot of things with, with with me, and I'm happy to do that. Which again, we'll touch on what I want to get into mm. as well. You know, what, what I want to sort of um, go down the lines of going into my own sort of therapy, which we'll touch on later. But um, certainly, th- there's a there's often a reason as to why people are exercising, mm. and it's not just physical. It's often to sort of battle demons they might have had in the yeah, previous agreed. life. Again, with you and I, right? The, you, you exercise not just for the physical, but obviously what's going on upstairs exactly. as well. Um, so yeah, I think it's learning to listen and share, and and not so much give advice on because most of them are grown adults and they can sort of, you know, they they know themselves better than I know them certainly. But I think it's just learning to l- listen and sort of delve a bit deeper without getting too deep mm-hmm. on, into their situations as to why they're doing what they're doing. And um, it's amazing that if you just have a platform to be able to, you know, um, share with someone and they trust you enough, it's amazing what they'll tell you. Amazing mm-hmm. that the, what people again. That seemingly have everything that actually don't and that they are really battling every day just like you and i are so yeah i completely agree and we touched on before and these are sort of like the five pillars of mental health which people say and what i think as well and the, one of the main ones for me is exercise so we got sleep nutrition mindfulness exercise communication and exercise for me i, I think i think everyone's different and everyone's got to find their own their own way and when I think when people say exercise you automatically think like go to the gym like bench press long run but that's yeah. not the case like we touched on earlier like a small walk a 30 minute walk just get out just mm. be in your own mind get out be in your own mind and once twice a week it doesn't have to be a lot but that's twice as many times as you were going to do before and mm. then just build on it and I wrote an article which I released uh, yesterday released yesterday on small steps and especially for me with ADHD is taking small steps in these situations in terms of exercise and whatnot if you haven't done it before it can be as little as wake up put on your running clothes go brush your teeth get outside start walking Mm. it doesn't have to I think when people think exercise and they haven't exercised before they think of this huge step it doesn't yeah. have to be that. Yeah, yeah. You can start off so small. Just get outside. Mm. Get outside. Go for a quick walk. If you have a dog, take the dog out. Mm. Just go enjoy yourself. It doesn't have to be like a hard thing. It doesn't have to be a stressful thing. Mm. If you're not enjoying it, then you can figure something else out and try a different avenue. One hundred percent. It's one one of the most poignant videos I've seen on your platform is when you were having a really really shit day beforehand, like a yeah. really really bad day, and you thought you told yourself you'd go. I think it was clean your room tidy tidy that's a tidy room tidy yeah, mind tight, type thing yeah. um and go do some exercise and that literally boosted your entire day thereafter yeah. and what what was started off as a really rubbish day and you were having a really low mood mm. and you thought you'd, you you had, you had resound yourself to have a bad day thereafter it was like what can i do to make myself a bit better in the situation and that was to spend an hour 10 50 minutes no matter what time it is just tidying something and that automatically has a huge impact on you beneficially on you know in in terms of your your brain and also getting out exercising had a huge impact on mm. you and that for me, was something I can really, really relate to is doing these little things, these little steps, as you put, like as you put it, can make the biggest difference. A little yeah. goes a long way, type thing. It's like a Pretty these little things here and there don't take a lot of time and effort, but actually mentally they're actually quite hard to do sometimes because all you want to do is get in your duvet, get in bed, and mm. feel sorry for yourself, order bad food, and it's that constant repetitive cycle, yeah, right? Yeah, it is, and I think I did that for so many years. Mm. I think this is the reason why I wanted to do what I'm doing now and trying mm. to help people is, I never thought I was I would do this. I never I never truly knew what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I knew, I loved the idea of having my own business yeah. and all those. I, I never thought I'd go into 
the mental health space until no. one day I was just like, I could help someone here. Because I posted something on my story. Someone replied, a, a good friend of mine, I won't name him. And he was like, mate, I've been really struggling and this, this really helped me. And I was a bit like, I can do this. I, mm. I feel like this is my purpose in terms of I've gone through what I've been through to help people like this. Yeah. And what the point you said on, you know, just wanting to get in your duvet and, you know, just do nothing. Mm. I did that for so many years and I sort of just, I let my own mind just trap me yeah. in a way. And I just, I wouldn't want to wake up in the morning and... I just want to lie in bed all day. Mm -hmm. I had no motivation. I felt sad all day. I could never understand why. Yeah. But I think when I look back at it is I didn't try. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. I let it happen. Yeah. And then it was it was so hard. It was one of the hardest things I've done. But little things just like the small steps I keep coming back to of getting out of bed when you feel like that, making your bed, getting a cold shower, and just the small steps add up so quickly. Massively so. And then you start to take back control of your mind slowly. And now I'm at a point where I feel so in control where I know if something's coming, I know what to do. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm trying to show to people is don't let it trap you. Mm. Don't don't be like me. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it was awful. And I'm sure you've had a similar experience where you just, you don't want to wake up some no. days. Yeah, 100%. And it's just holding yourself accountable for that, realizing your brain's trying to say no and combating it just going for it being like yes i am going to do this yeah. now i am going to read five pages of this book only five pages i'm going to do it mm. when your brain's like no no doom scroll doom scroll and i think that's you know it's that's that's been massive as well and another point i wanted to mention was um you want to become a counselor further down the line mm -hmm. and i think that's awesome idea because yeah. obviously you've been through a lot of stuff um do you think your experiences of what you've been through has sort of spiked you wanting to become a counsellor and help the younger people? Yeah, one million percent. I think um, I, I, I joked about it earlier is that with, with my job, you become more of a counsellor than you do a mm. trainer. I mean, uh, that's obviously a bit tongue in cheek, but yeah, a lot yeah, of it's yeah. true. You do you, you you listen and talk as much as you do train because you spend a lot of time with these people. If you're seeing them three or four days a week, that's more than they see some of their friends and families, right? Which is quite yeah, sad, but sure. it's true. Um, I think through my experience having therapy as well I've um, I've had I think four or five therapists in my life um, and certainly through seeing someone like that I mean mm. um, one of my absolute like like demigods I look up to most is a, a woman called Nikki Anstey who I saw who's a hypnotherapist and if you told me I was going to hypnotherapy a couple of years ago I'd have laughed at you saying like yeah I, I would have I would literally have laughed at the world I've been like no way like it's so hokey it's for complete like you know whatever but um, I, my mum literally said, you're going to therapy again. Like you need to go and, cause I can't, I can't do this anymore. Joe, mm -hmm. like you're spent, you're vegetating in bed, you're being wasted. She, uh, she, you can't see how much you could be giving to people, how like important you are to not just the family, but like how much people love you. I just couldn't see it. I was like, I'm, you know, had no value whatsoever. Yeah. So she like, like dragged me to this therapist. She took me to uh, Guildford, saw, saw Nikki and I was hooked. And it wasn't a sense of like, I fell asleep and I woke up and I was a new man. It was, it was a long process. But certainly through seeing her, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my entire, well, my mum made in my entire life, right? She really helped me. But um, going back to see her regularly was one of the best things I've ever done. And she was just like genuinely life-changing. I look at things so differently now. And I think a lot of that was perspective. I looked at life very, very differently. And I had a lot of um, bad blood and ill feeling toward a lot of people in my life. Mm -hmm. And now I look at them and I, I sort of, a lot, one of the phrases that stuck out to me is that's their stuff. 
and that might not make a lot of sense to a lot of people, but I think a lot of it comes down to is we hold so much anger and hatred and sadness to all the people when actually we don't look at it from you know, introspectively and go, that's them, you know, that and if they want to act in a certain way, it's completely down to them. But I, yeah. I, and I think it's learning not to let things affect you as much. And I really did for a long, mm. long, long time. And I really took a lot of stuff to heart. Whereas now, certainly through her help and many, many others is that people that used to bother me now don't because I can separate myself from them. And if they want to implode and be the nasty sort of, um, narcissistic people that I've surrounded myself with, but actually to separate yourself, actually realize that you're far better off for it and that you just do, you know, do your yeah. own thing, right? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think that's, until you just said it then, that's something I'm awful at. And something my dad always talks to me about as well is, I get like really angry, really, really angry over lots of minor things. Mm -hmm. But those minor things, they just build up and then I, I blow. Yeah, And I think that's something in terms of, you know, it's it's how they're acting to you sort of don't let it affect you as much is i take things to heart mm. like that's just my nature mm. and that's something i'm trying to figure out as well in terms of hypnotherapy obviously i've, I've never heard of hypnotherapy but mm. i might i might look at it yeah it's awesome. um what type of other things would you do with was it nikki sorry yeah so nikki yeah, yeah. Nikki. so um she she's very much based on like how the brain works and it's yep. it's sort of it's not like a one size fits all policy people might go there and think it's complete hokey nonsense but i went in there with not necessarily an open mind which is why i thought it never worked for me because a lot of this stuff like you know you can get cured from smoking and drinking by basically falling asleep and someone waving something over your head it wasn't like that it was yeah. more um going in there her listening to my story and then giving me perspective on how i saw other people being and she uses like analogies like, you know, the bully in the playground is often, they're not bullying because they're a nasty person, it's because they've got real demons going on and it's coming from a place of insecurity. Yeah. And I was a bit like that. I didn't treat people particularly nice at school growing up. It's because I had such massive insecurities of myself that it projected outwardly onto the people. Mm. And that came across like I was being a nasty, horrible person. It wasn't. And the people that are often the, the worst are actually people that just got so much going on themselves. And I think yeah. it's just learning to go, the, the people that are often projecting that onto other people actually the ones just suffering so bad themselves just by separating yourself makes life so much easier yeah i completely agree with that point it's um i think that's something i struggled with as well is just your own insecurities putting them onto people mm. and one thing that always like sticks out for me is my dad and anyone could say anything to him and mm. he is just cold-blooded he sort of just He's like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Inside, he could be really upset, but mm. he doesn't show it. Mm. But if someone does say something bad to him in terms of, you know, a bit on edge, and he's that relaxed head, mm. that mm. person always feels like an idiot afterwards, mm. and is a bit like, oh, why did I raise my like voice? Like killing with kindness, yeah, isn't exactly. It? Sort of like, yeah. And he's always, he always says to me, he was like, um, he was like, it's it's the same with your brother, but you. I think he said it's the same. Yeah, he said it's the same with my brother and him. And when you, you sort of have an alpha type aura around you, alpha, if you act like a beta, but you know you're sort of the alpha inside, mm. people don't know how to handle that. Mm. If you're really calm, collected, kind, but inside you still know, you know, this, like what you could do, mm -hmm. he's like, that's a sign of, you know, a good person a dangerous not a dangerous person like physically but in terms of someone who's in control of their body do you have you heard of jordan peterson yeah i have heard of jordan he's brilliant peterson. so like one of the things that stuck out to me was when he said every man 
should have the capability of being a monster, yeah, being dangerous. Mm. And that's not to say that you go beat people up or like mug someone. It's having the capabilities to be a monster but never having to show it yeah. is the best kind of person you can be. Is mm. being cool, calm, collected in those situations, knowing you have the capability to do those things mm. is that that's he says what he all men should aspire to be. And of course, it doesn't work yeah. for everyone, but that definitely yeah. reminded me of that. Like he's yeah, that, that's probably said it way better than I. That's kind of the point I was trying yeah. to come across. He he said that to me since I was about 13, 14 yeah. when I get really annoyed at yeah, stuff yeah. and he was like just relax like could control the controllables is always something he'd say yeah. as well um it's just now i'm growing up and you know my headspace is kind of changing mm. the more i tried to do that sort of what i felt like when i'd fight fire with fire i'd always lose and like if it was like coaches or something or mm. i disagreed with or someone says something to me i go bang i come straight for them now being able to sit back, sort of take it in, know what I kind of want to say, mm. but not saying it. Yeah. It's just, I think that's a sign of maturity as well. For but sure. that's something, especially over the last three months, I've really tried to work on um, on myself because I think I pushed away a lot of people growing up by doing that. Yeah, you and me both. When I look back at it and I'm a, I'm not, I don't regret it because it was a good lesson, mm -hmm. but I also think, I don't know, I just, pushing people away by not, not being rude necessarily meaning to be rude mm. but just going at them and when I didn't need to is something that I look back on and, and do regret but I think these are all good lessons which I've learned now and I'm, I'm that's again what I'm trying to teach to people 100%. is how to control that and you know there's like you said it's not one size fits all you know what works for me might not work for you and, but yeah that's what I'm trying to trying to get at in terms of like um you talked about jordan peterson mm -hmm. i think he's great I, I don't know his background but i also see little snippets of stuff and i think it's so important for like young men especially in today's day and age to grow up with someone like watching the clips of people like so. that um another one i might think's great is chris williamson and he um has his own podcast he's all got a buzz cut um this America, I think he lives around Texas, but just the way he conducts himself, he's very meticulous in what he does, mm. um, gets his point across quickly, and it's just very switched on guy. I think these are people that, I don't know, growing up, I, would, I don't wanna say I didn't have, but I think in terms of role models outside of my family, I don't think there was anyone mm. that I had growing up where I was like, well, that's the guy I wanna, I wanna follow, but mm. now, a bit older I watch a few people conduct themselves and people speak on podcasts in particular and it's just it gives me a bit of hope in terms of I agree with that stuff mm. you're coming across really well and that's yeah. how I want to like help people as well mm. especially the younger people because I think it's from 13 to 18 that's confusing confusing age, Tough age and I think a lot of people are lost and a lot of people feel like they don't have a purpose. I, mate, you're spot on. I think coming back to what you were saying earlier about who you follow on uh, a podcast front is young young men now, I think have it a lot harder than we did. I think yeah, agreed. they're growing up in a world where being a man is almost shamed and that they have to behave in certain ways that fit in with the, the new rhetoric and whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. And that's really confusing. And I think whilst I'm, I'm a complete advocate for you know women in society and because I'm you know, growing up with a very female dominated family I've sort of had to be and I'm all for that mm. but men nowadays have a, young men particularly sort of teenagers growing up going through sort of puberty and sort of 16 to 18 
they got it really tough mm. because they now don't have a sense of sort of like understanding and also um, sort of self-worth and knowing what, what it's like to be a yeah, man. It sounds really cliche, yeah. but being a man is like, it's just, it's now lost in translation a little bit yeah, with everything agree. that's going on with sort of, I won't go into the politics of they, them and, and um, whatever else. But it's, it's really, really tough. So having these male role models like Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, you know, Matt Walsh, they're all amazing sp speakers. Mm. And they're actually going, not, it's not old school at all. It's just basically holding on to those principles that every man should adhere to. Yep. Um, and that for me has been amazing to see that there are still out there sort of fighting the good fight and showing mm -hmm. young men watching these clips and these guys are well followed, mm -hmm. far more than you or I will be. But it's insane how these guys are, are having to do that, but they mm -hmm. are. And this is some of the times, isn't it? And hopefully the sort of the, it will level off and the, the madness will stop and it'll come back to how it should be, which is all men should be growing up being told how to yeah. you know, behave, but also that they're gonna be guys and they're gonna make mistakes along the way and that, mm. that it's you know not being chastised for doing certain actions, which every man will do, right? Yeah. So that's just, that's the way I see it. And these guys are, are pivotal in that. I Completely think. agree. Yeah. A fact which, I don't know, ma made me slightly upset when I was doing some research before this mm. was the World Health Organization did a study and it showed that one in four people worldwide will experience a mental health issue yeah. at some point. And that's obviously a mix of men and women, but a lot of the like younger population of men are taking their own lives. Mm. And I, you know, I look back to when I was sixteen, and I don't think I, I didn't get to that point where I was like, you know, I, I want to die. Or, mm. But I was just so heavily depressed, and I think I wrote again, not plugging it, but I wrote another article on um, finding my purpose mm. and how when I found it it just like, it was like a breath of fresh air, almost like a weight off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I feel like from COVID and everything, there's all this backlog of people not getting proper uni experiences and, you know, schools, like n not getting a proper end so to fun. school and yeah. not making the right set of friends. And for me, when I was at uni my first year, well, we were in training for rugby, but there was no one on campus. Like we trained in like a, um, how do I explain it? Like a st not sterile environment, like a you know, like a closed closed environment. A bubble, yeah. yeah a bubble. That's yeah. it. A bubble. And apart from that, I didn't know anyone at you. Mm. And that was my whole of my first year. Then it gets to second year, and you got to think if people come from overseas and mm. they come in, how are they making friends? And I think it's just destroyed people's mental health. People going to social situations, and I think it's really sad. And I think as you touched on having those people that you can sort of look up to who have those sort of core values, no matter who mm. it is, it could be anyone, just the person you connect with, a person that you think, yeah, this is who I want to be like. Yeah. It's just so important. And I hope I can help someone and the people I bring on like yourself can sort of provide something where they're like, oh, you know what, I resonate with that. Mm. I love that. I'm going to give it a go or whatnot. But I feel like, again, when, when we grew up and obviously I'm, turning 21 and but and I'm still young but mm. I think I don't remember people at growing up and I touched on it a couple times now but I just think that's you know if I had someone like that when I was 15 16 I think would I be in a different headspace mm. to where I was or in terms of the people around and you know these are things I'm really happy for that in a way are going on and I think it's so important that they are yeah 100% and also I didn't really grow up 
um, having sort of suicide, depression, anxiety being talked about. Partly because it, I mean, it would have needed to be for sure. Yeah. And there was a huge stigma around that. But certainly in this day and age, you know, 10, 15 years have gone since those things happened. And I think 75% of suicide on Earth is men, if not more now. Yeah. Um, and it's scary how the numbers are just getting more and more and more, and they're not, there's no sign of them slowing. And yet the, yeah. the resources are out there for people, but they're just so overrun that mm. there are you know, year-long waiting lists of people. So if, if not that you and I are gonna go and save the world, but mm -hmm. if there are more people out there on a, on a much smaller scale than the people that we talked about are, is the amount of messages I've had is, is amazing, but also alarming from people that I had no idea about. And you and I again touched on this before we started filming is that you, you would have no idea these people are struggling with something. Yeah. And yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on it in a second, is this that the on face value, you can really judge someone based on certain things, yeah. and that's what we're all guilty of. Mm -hmm. um, the, since I've started sharing about my story and being sort of what's coming out, as it were, mm -hmm. like in terms of my struggles, I think the, I've, I've probably had several hundred messages from people, men and women, but mostly men, that have yeah. gone, I've been suffering in silence for God knows how long, and it's so nice to hear someone that's normal come yeah. out and talk about it which mm -hmm. i use the word normal really loosely because <laughs> um, i'm far from it but yeah, yeah. But, um so yeah it's what's the most telling thing for me is how many people are out there i mean everyone has mental health right mm. we all have bad days um there's just a scale of people that suffer with it far worse and allow it to sort of bother them more than maybe most so yeah agreed yeah. and that's something that like uh that really upset me one night was i got a dm from someone i had no idea, I won't say his name again. Yeah. No idea who he was, he was in America. Never heard of him. Yeah. Must have just seen my, I put hashtags out on my post, must have just come through one mm -hmm. of them. And he sent me a message and he was like, hey mate, I'm really struggling. Just, I'm struggling and I don't really know what to do. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice? I've just been looking through all your posts and I've been doing this for a month and I was just like, apart me, like, it makes me feel a bit upset now. It's just yeah, a bit I'm like, this, this guy has no idea who I am. I've never met him and he's reaching out like he must be really struggling. In a really bad place, yeah. And he just looked like a normal bloke. You know, he had a kid and I was just a bit like, I don't know, but I made so sure, yeah, well, a bit so like when I read up. it. And not, I was not trying just to that is you're so unequipped to be able to help him. Exactly. All, you, all you can do is give him the advice that you've been given, right? Exactly. And, and what yeah. you'd want to hear. Yeah, and that's what I did. And I think in terms of depression, and this is a quote I heard from Chris Williamson on his podcast, and he, and this isn't the exact quote, so, but he was like, um, men with depression get treat. Uh, they get treated. Men with depression get treated the same as female depression, and that's not what a man wants in terms of he wants to feel like he has a purpose. He wants to feel like he can like do good in yeah. terms of certain things. And I think, in certain aspects, although I'm not qualified enough to talk on this, is I think he's right, and I think that's where a lot of people. Um, are going wrong is we have to treat like I didn't want to get oh it's alright like it's fine that, that made me yeah, yeah, yeah. actually angry yeah. so I get people at school like and everyone would just be trying to help and they'd be like oh don't worry like it's okay like we'll do this tomorrow and I was like no I want to I, I need someone to just drag me through and that's what my dad did and my dad held me accountable and he let me sulk, he let me do his thing, and he never said anything. And this is something my mum my mum as well, it's just I've always respected them massively for and I couldn't be more grateful as they held me accountable for what was going on. And when I wouldn't want to wake up in the morning, they'd go in my room and they'd be like, Get up, let's go. 
they wouldn't let me lie in bed till three in the afternoon mm. as I was before. They'd be in there every day. Right, let's go. Come on. And that's just something like I've, it's always stuck with me. Is mm -hmm. I didn't want to get mummied from it. I didn't want to get, oh, don't worry. Let's do this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I wanted answers. I wanted, but even though it's nice to get the mummied effect, mummied, not really mummied, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's nice that, it's nice to have that, but in terms of getting a cure, or not a cure, but getting better, is I needed someone to drag me through. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was at the bottom of the ditch trying to scrape it. I needed someone to help me build the ladder to get mm -hmm. out, not someone to drag me out so I could fall back in. I needed mm -hmm. someone to build that ladder, small steps that I could just climb out yeah. and figure it out myself. Oh, and that's what they set, they set the foundations for me to do that. Yeah. And that's why I'm so grateful I'm here today talking about it. And I almost feel, guilty in a way talking about because I'm not qualified like I don't have a I don't have a university degree in mental health and but I'm just trying to help people what's worked for me and I think that's massively important it's like you just you need someone to help you build those foundations or just someone to hold you accountable in those situations mm. and for me that was the game changer because I've sulked and moped around for a good year before yeah. that happened the way the way I, I was told to compare that because I always used to say that I wasn't I, I wasn't good enough I didn't have a degree in X Y and Z therefore who am I to talk about it yeah and um, I can't remember <coughs> who I was talking about it with but they said would you rather go to someone who had a degree in cars or who had been a mechanic for 30 years or 20 years and stuff who'd been working on a number of cars ever since? And I said, well, obviously the mechanic. And he goes, well, the person who's had a degree in cars, who's never owned one, is they know nothing about cars. They would know the, the bare minimum, as it were, and they would, they would cover certain bases. But the person who's been under the car, who's been who's changed the oil, who's worked on the engine, they know far more than the person who's got this degree with all these amazing merits to show for it. Yeah. So like your personal experiences will help many 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 more people than just say the random person who's got a degree in something that actually haven't been haven't been through it yeah um which is why again to come back to what i was such good analogy. wanting to come back to being a therapist or a counselor is because i've been through that i'll automatically know not necessarily the right things to say but certainly for someone who's been through my situations i'll be able to point them in the right directions on what yeah. to do but also what not to do um particularly a particularly a guy because men are just have this innate ability not to be able to communicate and that's something mm. that i really want to sort of run like drive home to particularly young young lads, you young boys, and that's where it's most confusing because boys of a certain age can be confused with just going through puberty and being angry at the world, mm -hmm. and that's not always the case. Um, yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. Would you say, for me, obviously we spoke on podcast hosts, <coughs> podcast hosts mm. and whatnot, but do you think there's any resources, books, online platforms that you recommend in uh, terms of where people can start obviously they can look on social media yeah. and the shorts for, the shorts for me are what helps like you know the 15 second instagram tiktok clips like, sure. i just find them so good because mm. i feel like and this is something i looked at is uh, talking with scott and stuff was um for anyone who doesn't know scott's, scott's behind the camera <laughs> but um when scott and i were planning stuff when the videos are too long people just don't have the attention span to watch them yeah so i did a 15 second i think it's 15 second clip on TikTok and it got six and a half thousand views. Then I did like a thirty-five or thirty-six second one and it got like two thousand one hundred views. Yeah. And we were like comparing them. We we kept doing them and it was the same outcome every time. And I think those little short snippets are what massively helped me. But also I suck at reading. <laughs> and I bought two books in. I bought Stolen Focus by Joanne Harry. Um and that's something I'm trying to read at the moment. Mm -hmm. And I obviously I won't comment on it because I'm not I'm not long into it. But it, he he is basically explaining why you feel like you've lost your focus. Yeah. 
and basically what he did was he put his phone away and he moved away and he was writing a book and he basically talks about his lessons on what he found and you know like watching people and how he felt like he had to grab his phone all the time but that's not really the case like he didn't have to there was nothing mm. going on mm. he felt paranoid he thought someone was going to die at home if he didn't have his phone as soon as a message pinged up he like i think it was something like in terms of pavlov's dogs mm. uh, it's like a psychology study where they like i could be so wrong here so mm. <laughs> but it, they like ring a bell every time there's food and the dog knows that when that happens yeah. there's food yeah and basically he's like when and there's something my mum spoke about as well, is when that message pings on your phone, you just go like that. You don't even think, you look. And putting that phone away, he didn't know what to do. Mm. He felt weird, he felt on edge. And that's kind of how I feel at the moment, is putting my phone away on walks. I just automatically find myself going to my pocket and then I'm like, <laughs> I have no phone there. Yeah. And it's stuff like that which I'm finding useful and I'm gonna read obviously a bit more and when I fully read the book, I'll mm -hmm. talk about it properly. Yeah. But that book looks amazing, and that's something I'm definitely looking into more in terms of resources and trying to better understand what's going on. For sure. Would there be anything on your end in terms of that which you found, or it doesn't have to be anything? <laughs> no, no, I mean, like you, I'm not much of a reader, so I've, I've tried to force myself, particularly on a holiday, to read a bit more than I do. Yeah. And I've got, I mean, Karen, um, uh, Grace Steers, mum, she, um, she gives me books every now and again, I'll dip into them every now and again, and a lot of it's mental health-based, you know, like Ross Kemp's book, and that comes. Like, like Ross Kemp? Uh, Roman Kemp, sorry. Um, his book was amazing, and he obviously lost his very, very close friend through the through the radio station and that kind of yeah. stuff, which is a, a pretty tragic story. Um, so yeah, Roman Kemp's book is one that I want to start. Mm. Um, otherwise, again, attention span thing is the little sort of TikTok videos, little snippets here and there that I find really, really useful. Mm. And I got sent um, a very good friend of mine, Troy, sent me a video once. It was months ago on TikTok. I didn't have the app at the time, so I went on the thing, and then. Due to the algorithm, everything I go whenever I go on TikTok is usually mental health based, mm -hmm. which is no problem for me. I don't mind that. Mm -hmm. It's either rugby or mental health. It's usually my, my, my <laughs> life. Similar but, to mine. Yeah. So it's um, every other thing is like a motivational quote or like clips from Jordan Peterson, Matt Wa Peterson, Matt Walsh, that kind of thing is that really helps me. And if I am scrolling through social media, I'll often make it sort of proactive if I can, mm -hmm. rather than just sort of scrolling through holiday photos, making myself jealous. It's going on those and, and sort of going down a bit of a rabbit hole of, of those kind of cool quotes and actually a bit of a mm. motivation because often with mental health is particularly in men because it's isolation whereas women come together as a group and they talk about their problems mm. men keep themselves to themselves and seeing other people that go through the same thing because you often feel alone you often mm. feel like yeah, no yeah. one's going to understand me what's, what's the point in talking whereas when you see those little quotes or people talking to the camera if it's you or I or whoever is it's like-minded they're they're much very much like you are so it sort of gives you a bit of a boost thinking actually i'm not alone i can talk and I, i'm not i'm not a freak i'm not this loser that no one loves it's just actually i'm just one in many many millions of people i'm not i'm not my own type thing yeah so a bit like you yeah roman kemp's from where i'm from oh, down okay. in chorleywood okay and um we live very close to his really? mum and dad so oh, nice we sp uh, roman kemp's someone like i speak about quite a lot okay. in terms of like what he's done mm. And I think it just comes back to the point. It's like, he's a DJ on Capital. Cool guy. Lovely guy. Great family. And I think it just comes back to the point, like, mental health can affect anyone. And it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter if you're six foot five. It doesn't matter if you're five foot. It doesn't matter if you're a man, you're a woman. Mm. Anything. It can affect anyone. It can bring anyone to their knees. Mm. And I personally like to think I'm quite a tough guy. You know, some, some would say no. But in terms of that, like, 
in terms of anxiety, depression, ADHD, like it knocked me for six mm. for a long time. And I think people like Sam Thompson as well, he was on Made in Chelsea. Yeah. He's, he's just released a program on ADHD um, and like his journey on trying to find out why he acts how he acts mm. and why he sort of makes impulse decisions and why he's like really like in terms of his thoughts, like why his thoughts are in, like so intrusive mm. and his relationships with people and why he's found that hard. And I think that's one thing on my end uh, just to touch on quickly with ADHD is like there's a lot of unknown symptoms out there which people have no idea about which I'll talk about another time I'll do some Instagram parts on it but um, I think that's the most concerning thing is people see mental health problems as like if you're depressed you know you're sad if you're an- if you've got anxiety you're stressed if you've got ADHD you're hyperactive whereas like there's hundreds of things behind the scenes that people don't affiliate with these problems yeah, in terms of a spectrum. ruins yeah, yeah it ruins relationships you know it ruins your work schedule ruins your routines you know you you struggle getting to sleep like i barely sleep mm. when i do sleep i sleep for ages because my brain's just so knackered from the day mm. i struggle getting to sleep there's all these things but when everything adds up you know like you lose relationships with your friends and stuff like that when they all add up that's like how i see it mm. not just he's sad not just he's hyperactive it's all these behind the scenes stuff which people just don't don't take in which i think is raising awareness on that especially on this podcast but just in general is 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 crucial in in terms of people diagnosing themselves because a lot of people are self-diagnosing and also a lot of people are getting diagnosed wrong which i find crazy and i saw on linkedin saw on linkedin this guy went round um he went around some of the best clinics. I think he went to Harley Street. I could be wrong. And he said he had ADHD, thought he had ADHD and sort of acted like he had ADHD. Mm. And <laughs> they were all three of the clinics, like confirmed he had ADHD mm. and gave him medication, but he knew he didn't have ADHD. Yeah. And in terms of that, you, people just got to be really careful in, in terms of sort of putting a label on themselves as well. And um, that's why I'm trying to get all this sort of like self-worth type looking after yourself and like eliminating these symptoms before looking into it a bit more because to touch on ADHD as well quickly I thought for like a few months I didn't have ADHD I like convinced myself I didn't have ADHD I was oh nah ADHD is not real sounds so stupid but like I really convinced myself I didn't have it and I tried doing all these things and that's when I realized I definitely, definitely still have it, yeah. <laughs> but if I didn't try that eliminating thing, I think when I saw he got self-diagnosed, I was like, oh, what have I got self-diagnosed? It makes you doubt yourself. Mm. You've really just got to be proactive in sure. what you do with all this stuff um, and make sure that it's working well and you know it, it is right and mm. you're not just self-diagnosing. It's, um, it's common for young men to not want to talk about their problems, you know, as we do. What advice would you give to someone who's at this stage of not wanting to talk about their problems but knows something going on, or just advice, you know, for a parent who knows that maybe their child is going through something, a family friend or a friend who mm. knows going through a problem? Good question. So if, if, if it were me and I was to go through it all again, um, it's difficult if you've got teenage kids, but from a mother or father or auntie, uncle looking in, seeing their children, it's behavioural, usually. Mm. It's like if they're just being, if they're acting out of character, doing things that are unusual, 
looking out for sort of behavior patterns that are slightly against the grain. That's mm. something I would definitely look forward to um, look in, into. Um, and being very gentle with the information you're giving rather than telling them off and shouting and stuff and being shouted at it, 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 it forms a, um, a behavior that they can't open up to their parents if they're mm. being shouted at. And that's yeah. that in my experiences anyway, everyone's different. But certainly I think is if you notice one of your friends at school not turning up to school, for example, I mean, in your, in your situation is not turning up to school, is if mm. you notice that's happening regularly and there's no sort of health problems behind it, like physical health, I mean, um, you know, reaching out and encouraging them to speak, and particularly in men, is in my learned experience is that I had loads and loads of friends growing up, but none that I felt close enough to that I could really yeah, share with. Same. So I, it's, the saying is you don't need loads of friends, just good ones. It's just mm. ha having a good group of friends around you who are like-minded that you can feel really comfortable opening up to. Mm. And girls from a young age are taught to have that, whereas men aren't. They usually mm. like, if you're, if you're in a team sport, play the sport and then you leave and do your own thing is, is keep a close group around you that you can really hold on to and, and, and share things with, which at a young age is difficult. Yeah, yeah. agreed, agreed. Yeah. I think that's, that's big for me as well was realizing I shouldn't share. This was probably a lesson that I learned for me personally was I shouldn't share everything to everyone. Mm. And like you, I had loads of friends growing up who at one point I'd sort of tell everyone to, even people I wasn't close in terms of like my mental health. Mm. Like I didn't talk for ages and then I found myself like telling people that I shouldn't, shouldn't have told looking back mm. on. And people that didn't not care, but people that sort of didn't have my best interest at heart. Or you gained nothing from sharing exactly. them with. Yeah. And it made me look like a bit of an idiot sharing it with. And I felt like having a tight, like it, my dad says like an inner circles of, of people, whether that's friends, family, mm. who you can share things to, my girlfriend, and that's been massive for me. And then sort of keeping everyone else as just general, <coughs> they're your mates, but they're mm. not they're not your circle yeah. of people that you trust with your life. Yeah, 100%. I think la lastly as well, and, and again, we'll probably touch on it afterwards, is that if you don't feel comfortable enough to reach out to your friends and family, is either through school and seek, seek help. Like yeah. it, there are so many places out there now. Um, and for me as well, I felt like I couldn't speak to a lot of my friends and family, therefore seeking external advice mm. was the best thing because Seeking therapy can be this huge thing. We think that you're going to be talked to by a shrink and you're going to be told that you're basically going mad. It's not. It's basically having a, a trusted space within four walls where you can say and do whatever you wish within reason and know that you're not being judged for it. Yeah. Um, so for me, therapy certainly saved, well, I say saved my life. It's a bit dramatic, but like it certainly, well, maybe, maybe it did. Yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah, sure. definitely going to therapy definitely saved my life. So, um, especially talking about stuff. one million percent. It was going to a four walled space where I knew I could bitch, moan, cry, scream, and I knew that nothing that would leave those four walls, because they were legally bound to, like mm. it wasn't just that, it was they knew they couldn't tell anyone. And I didn't, I didn't, know, I didn't know that person personally, therefore mm. I could go and overshare, I could say whatever I wanted my family and knew that I wasn't gonna get chastised by saying bad things about my sisters or my mum and my dad, for example, or mm. parents, schools, whatever. Yeah, for so sure. that for me would be the best thing, is anyone that didn't feel they couldn't feel trust their family or go to them for anything is look outside of that. And there's always things you can go down, numbers you can call or, you know, whatever so yeah, that's yeah. something i definitely recommend i'll leave it leave it on this but sure is there any particular message of advice that you'd like to share with someone from your personal experience um that's going through problems with their mental health at this point of time or has gone through in terms of lessons you've learned for me is sp speak early enough and that a problem shared is a problem halved i think if you could share enough share early enough then things will become easier i think it's just talking definitely just talking share talk and surround yourself with people that you can then trust yeah definitely love that yeah
Awesome. Thank you.